Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Through the Winter's Ministry Podcast. I hope you're excited to get started. I know I am. Let's go. Hey, once again, we want to say thank you for tuning in to Through the Winter's Ministry Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, I want to say thank you for tuning in. Hit that like button, subscribe, and share with a friend if you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to help support Through the Winter's Ministry, just follow our link to our main podcast page, and there you'll see a support button. When you click on it, you can support us with either $1, $5, or $10 a month. And if you do decide to support us, we want to say thank you for helping us to bring hope to those who feel like there is none, helping them to find purpose in their pain. God bless you all. Hey everyone, we here at Through the Winters Ministry want you to check out In Faith by Joseph Baez. It's our son's second single, and we know you guys will be blessed by it. You can hear the song on iTunes, Spotify, or Apple Music. Once again, that's In Faith by Joseph Baez. everybody i'd like to start today's podcast by reading to you psalms 56 verse 3 and 4 and it goes like this what time i am afraid i will trust thee in god i will praise his word in god i have put my trust i will not fear what flesh can do unto me now that first part in verse 3 what time i am afraid i will trust thee that what time i'm i am afraid is translated now please forgive me if i do this wrong from its original hebrew is yom ira or yom ira which means what time i am afraid in english is actually saying in hebrew the day i am fearing so the time that i am afraid meaning the day i am fearing and when you look at it in its full context in verse three then it says the day i am fearing i will trust thee in god i will praise his word now, I don't know about you, but I've had those times where, man, those days that I did not want to live again. I, I do not want to experience some of those harsh and horrible days. And um, and there are times where I've gone through certain things. I'm like, you know what? I can do without uh, ever experiencing something like that again. I don't know how many of you can probably relate to that. When David, who's the author of Psalm 56, is writing this, he's reflecting on his capture in Gath. He was for a short period of time, or for a period of time, he was captured in Gath, and it made him concerned for what is to come, um, and that what it, whatever it was, he knew that he would have to place his trust in God. So here's David, when he's writing this psalm, reflecting on a time of when he was a prisoner. He's thinking back of that hard time, the time that he did not like, one of the worst days of his life, one of those worst moments, when he didn't know what to expect, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't, he didn't know what the outcome was going to be. All he knew was that at that time when I was scared and everything was horrible, man, I put my trust in God. 
And so he writes, the day that I was fearing or the day that I am fearing, I will trust in thee. Because now David is not looking. He says, I remember not knowing what was going to happen that horrible day in Gath and that horrible time in Gath. And, and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I was going to die, if the Lord was going to let me live or, or whatever was going to happen. It was so confusing. That's how scary that day was. And yet I know that there are still more scary days ahead. And so he looks at it. He says, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. In other words, what this world could bring at me, what this world can throw at me. I'm not going to fear. He didn't know what was coming, but he knew that something was coming and or that things were going to come. He, David knew. It, it was obvious to him. He says, look, I, I, I know there's still more to come. I still know that, that there's going to be more obstacles I'm going to face. There are going to be more um, hard days up ahead. I don't know what they are. I don't know how they're going to happen, but I know those days are still going to come. Isn't that not how many of us feel today? Come on, I mean, let's be real. With, with the whole thing with COVID-19 for like now the last seven months or so, the race war issues, cancel culture, the elections coming up, whether they're pro or against or, you know, uh, uh, this or that, and, you know, everything that's going to happen before and after the elections, the riots and the protesting, social injustice, systemic laws and policies that, that go on and on and on and everything else in between. I don't know about you, but I'm wondering, man, what what's what's coming? God, what else lies ahead? I look back on some of those hard days and some of those hard times that I've had and some of those uh, hard moments where I definitely don't want to live through them again. And I found that in those hard moments, the only thing that brought me peace, the only thing that brought me comfort was God. The only thing that, that made me think straight, uh, give me a reason to maybe even laugh at a joke or, or or find purpose in the day to move forward in certain things, was my hope in God that he was in control. And now here we are in a time where things are just topsy-turvy and we don't know what's going on or what's going to happen. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And the only thing I can tell you right now is trust God, hold on to God. The days that I am fearing, are there going to be hard days ahead? Heck yeah, whether personal or, or whether political, whether it's it's nationwide or worldwide, there are going to be hard times that are coming. Where are you putting your trust? How can we not wonder? How can we not worry about what is going to happen? Listen, if, if you're not a believer, I can probably understand if you're not thinking this, but maybe if you are, how can you not say that there's an enemy at work here? The enemy, the devil, is working. He's working on dividing the people. He's working on causing destruction. He's working on sickness and disease. He's moving in every single way, and he's stirring the pot of division big time. David explained his concerns that there was more to come. He knew he was going to face uh, uh, words of rebuke. He knew that he was going to face attack. He knew that he was going to be hated, that there was going to be malice against him. He knew that he was going to cry. He knew that he was going to cry, that he was going to cry one day. He knew that it, the pain was going to be so hard and it was going to be so overwhelming. Now, I know some of us look at it and says, but, but, you know, Sam, does, doesn't Jesus say not to worry about tomorrow? You know, and the only thing I can say for you is how's that going? How's that working? Because yes, yes. In Matthew chapter six, verse 34, Jesus says during the sermon on the Mount, take no thought 
for tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own trouble. Today has trouble already. So doesn't that contradict then what David is doing? If David is worrying about tomorrow, isn't that opposite of what Jesus would not tell us to do? Um, I don't believe so. I, I think it's, it's actually confirming it. David, if you read that psalm, as we pointed out, he says, man, on my own, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I have no clue. If this is the here and now, and, and, and I remember that day that, that really scared me. That I didn't know what was going to happen. The only thing I can do is put my trust in God. And I know that tomorrow's still going to have its issues. I know there's something down the pike. You hear me, people? There's something down the pike. We know that something's going on. But Jesus says, don't take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow has its own trouble. Today has enough troubles already. I don't think it contradicts what David is saying. Because what David said after was, that's why I'm going to trust the word of God. That's why I'm going to put my hope in God. And so, okay, God, if Jesus was able to tell David at that moment, you know, because they were in two different timelines and two different time periods. If Jesus was able to tell David, David's like, man, I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming, but God, I'm putting my hope in you. That's confirming what Jesus is saying. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. I'll take care of that and I'll deal with you and help you through whatever tomorrow brings. Right now, I need you to focus. There's a mission that each and every one of us have. And David knew he had to settle with the mission he had to deal with right now, what was in his control at that moment, and handle those situations and put his trust in God that God was going to take care of the rest tomorrow and the days after to come. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying when he said that in Matthew chapter 6. He's just saying, worry about what's going to happen today. Focus on what you, need, what you can actually deal with today. I got everything else in control. Tomorrow's going to bring its own issues, but if you don't deal with the now, if you don't deal with what's happening now, if you don't if you don't strengthen yourself and prepare yourself and build yourself for what's happening now, there's no way you're going to be powerful enough and strong enough to handle what's going to happen next week, a month from now, a year from now. See, the Lord is not in the business of just, okay, here's a problem, now here's the pro how you solve it. And a lot of Christians believe that. A lot of believers believe that, you know, as problems rise, okay, then I'll pray to God and then he'll help me with that. God is in the business of preparing us for when situations rise, the believers are where they're supposed to be and doing and knowing what they're supposed to know. That they're, they're prepared for everything that's coming their way. And a lot of times, man, believers are not prepared and situations hit and boom. They collapse. They fall under the pressure. They don't know how to deal with it because they haven't prepared themselves properly. They haven't sought refuge in each other, in, in, with other believers, and and prayed and 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 found security in, in in the brethren and 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 safety in the Word. They're taking it for granted, and now when things blow up and situations happen, they don't know what to do. And I believe that's what David was doing in that psalm. That's what David was saying in that psalm. David's saying, he says, man, I remember those worst days. I remember that horrible day. And I was scared, God. I was scared. The day that I feared, the day that I feared, man, it, it was bad. But I put my hope in your word, in who you were, who you said you were in my life, in the promise that you gave me that I would be king and that my descendants would reign. You gave me a promise, God. So I put my hope in your word. I, I, I sought you and I stuck stuck with you and I and I held on. And in you, God, I put my trust. Man, I wonder how many believers, people who truly say they believe in the Lord, 
that he is the God of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. How many true believers like that have heard God's voice and the promises that he has to them? How many of us haven't heard God's voice? Have you learned to hear God's voice? Have you, have you taken time out in prayer and not made about, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, and learn how to really meditate on the Lord? To hear what it is that he wants of you, of how he wants you to grow? How can you trust in God if you don't know how to hear him? If you don't know what it is that he's called you to do in the direction that he's called you to. I love it because he says, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Because, folks, if you haven't learned this already by your pastors or or those that, that mentor you spiritually, we're, we're not just of this flesh. We're not just the skin and bones and, and, and these morsels and these veins. and these. We're, we're more than that. And I'm not going to fear what flesh can do unto me. My heart and my concern is more about my spirit, my soul, and where God has planned for me. Jesus said that, you know, tomorrow will have its troubles. And David said it again. So God, I put my trust in you. In Matthew, earlier in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said that um, worrying for what will happen is how the Gentiles think. But those who are of him, they don't need to worry. Then he reminds his own to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you will be taken care of. See, what Jesus was saying was that now to be worried about everything and, and how this world is going to end, see, it, it shouldn't surprise the believer. Some of the chaos and some of the stupidity and some of the nonsense that we're seeing going on and and yes, I, I feel that a lot of it is stupidity and nonsense. Some of the stuff that is going on shouldn't surprise the believer this shouldn't surprise us but yet we got believers that are actually condoning and going into the fray and fighting the fray as if this is the, the, the this battle is something that that that's supposed to be fought in in flesh and blood man they need to get on their knees they need to start recognizing that no many of these wars and many of these things that are uprising and that are happening we're not supposed to be taking a part in that we're supposed to be praying and, and recognizing that God is in the one in control. And it shouldn't surprise us that the world is going in this direction. He says, the world, they worry. But those who know me, he says, I need the rest of you who know me to seek my kingdom and to seek my righteousness. In other words, to start pointing people towards the cross, not pointing people towards hatred and violence and separation and more division. To point, pe point people towards salvation and, and, and righteousness. To point people towards the true meaning of, of what life is supposed to be in this world. To follow the one and only true God. Just as Dave was saying that it's coming and he knew this stuff was coming. God, I'm saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you to direct me. I'm trusting you to lead me. Not everyone is called for every 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 uh, purpose and, and thing, and, and we need to be smart on what God tells us to, to partake in and what not to partake in, how to move and how not to move. And I know a lot of people would disagree with me on this. 
A lot of people say, no, if you're a believer, then you're supposed to be doing this, this, and this. I don't believe that causing more strife and more division and more hatred and, and, and actually making God's name be more rubbed in the mud is, is a calling that God has for us. I, I just, we will agree to disagree in, in that category. Friends, there are things that are coming. There are things that are coming in this world, and we as the believers need to be ready for it. It's time for believers to stop playing church. To just start worshiping and, and, and getting all, all spiritual highs on Sunday and worship and having a great old time and things like that. And then Monday through Saturday, not, not seeking God the way we're supposed to. Not being the examples that we're supposed to. We don't know what's going to come. I think some stuff will be scary. But Christ called us to trust him and to hear his voice. And listen, I really believe like never before. He's, he, he's telling from the youngest to the old. I really believe he's stirring up the young people this time. I really believe he's going to stir young adults. I really believe he's going to stir up uh, uh, some some of the saints. And they, they're going to start that, that whole thing of, you know, uh, um, uh, the the older will, will, will see visions and the, and the young will dream dreams. I really believe that is this is the time when things will start to stir up in big time. And if people don't know how to interpret dreams, if people don't know how to interpret visions, if we don't know how to see those things for what they really are, they're just going to say, oh, man, I was thinking about this. And wow, I had a crazy dream. Isn't that weird? They won't know how to hear God's voice when he's going to start giving them dreams. They won't know how to hear God's voice when he's starting to give them visions. He's going to start speaking to the church and start moving in certain ways. And they're going to believe their own political ideologies. They're going to believe go into this whole social class system and go into all these things and just fall into all the nonsense and not learn how to hear God's voice and they'll be ignoring him. Meanwhile, they'll still go to church. They'll still worship and still have a great time. They'll still pray. But what what, what, what good is prayer if we don't know how to hear when the Lord responds to our prayer? What what good is, is, is praying if you don't really open yourself up to receive what the Lord has for you in that time of meditation and, and seeking him in worship? The feeling of the Holy Spirit is awesome and it's great and it's needed. Listen, don't get me wrong. Please don't someone misinterpret what I'm saying. Prayer and, and attending service and being a part of church is needed. And, and the church doors need to be open. We need to worship together. We need to fellowship together. But listen to me very closely. We need to learn how to hear that voice and interpret for ourselves and see what God is really trying to say to us as individuals for the benefit of the whole body and for the world. How can we do this? What is required of seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness? Uh, how can we be ready to hear him and trust him uh, and when, as tomorrow comes? It brought me back to earlier this year in January when I went to a men's retreat. And um, the speaker, his name was Ernie Warvogel from New Jersey. And uh, he read from 1st Kings chapter 18 when Elijah was on Mount Carmel Carmel not Carmel <laughs> and um, it was just so good because there's Elijah and the world around him is in chaos they're worshipping other gods they know of God listen they knew of God. They knew of, of, of Yahweh. They, they knew about him. They knew about the God of Israel. But yet they worshiped other gods and they went along with the fat. And, and, and these other people of influence came in and, and brought 
other idols and and other forms of of god worship and idol worship into into the the, the camp of israel into into the the nation of israel they brought those things in and the people fell for it they thought they can still worship god and still worship ashra they 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 can they say you know oh uh, if, if i want a little more money i can i'm still gonna pray to god but but maybe i you know praying a little bit to this this other god this this other deity you know maybe will help me with my finances or maybe help me find love or maybe maybe you know grow in certain ways you know and 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 it's a little more fun to worship this other god this god i love i love the type of worship that this other god has and i love the other forms of of, of sacrifice and things like that because man the one with god with, with, with yahweh you know is it's it's so rich and, and so it's so tight and, and and it has to be this way and so uniform man this worship over here of this other god it's a little more freer and i can be me and and i'm even a god to myself and i can i can translate what's right and wrong in my own understanding that's what was happening this the stuff that happens today it's not new that's what was happening in, in the nation of israel and here was elijah on mount carmel carmel and and, and they told him they, they they did the bet and and agreed to do the bet of which god is actually listening and so most of you know the story the worshipers of asherah you know they they, they were worshiping and and cutting themselves and doing all this kind of stuff to get their god to light up their altar to get their god to light up their altar elijah he, he does some crazy stuff. He tells him, he says, maybe your God's asleep. Uh, uh, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe you guys got to scream louder and, and so he can hear you guys from the bathroom. And they actually do it. They cut themselves. They did all this kind of stuff. And it was nuts, 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 nuts. What they did. And nothing happened. No God heard them. No power moved. All that they did for that God. Nothing. And then Elijah comes up. And I've missed this before. When uh, Pastor Warvogel went over this, I was like, how did I miss that? But he pointed out something very cool in verse 30, where it says, And he, Elijah, repaired the altar of God that was torn down. You hear that? In the process, this is the nation of Israel, folks mixed with uh, with uh, other people from other nations that came in and they let these other nations and these other pe ways of thinking pe of people that had different ways of doing things influence them in the process of them doing what they wanted and having fun doing worship and and, and doing sacrifices and prayer the way that they liked it in the process somehow the altar of god was torn down so what's the first thing that elijah does Verse 30, he repaired the altar of God. That's what scares me. I don't know about you. Some churches after this whole COVID-19, I thank God that a lot of churches are reopening. Some of the first things they got to do is not just have a great worship service. Maybe some churches got to repair the altar and do some things different. Maybe you got to repair the altar in your own heart. Maybe you got to do some repairing in itself. It's like, you know what? I've been doing worship. I've been praying. But in the process of me doing things the way I saw fit, or in the process of me doing Christianity the way that I thought was fine and comfortable with, I probably tore down that altar in my heart. 
I tore down that altar in my, in my place of worship. And if that's the case, then do like Elijah did, man. Start repairing. Start repairing that that altar in your heart. Start fixing, you know, that whole thing. And 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 when what 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 Pastor Warvogel, when he, when he brought this up about Elijah having to repair the altar, he said something that 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 blew my mind. He said, "So many look to God to pour down His fire, but where is He supposed to do that?" There was no altar for the fire to fall. See, Elijah could have just started going. He goes, all right, I'm going to pray to my God. I'm going to pray to my God. And he's going to say, God, pour down your spirit, pour down your spirit. And God can do anything he wants. But Elijah knew. He says, first, I need to place an altar for God to pour his fire down. And man, when Pastor Ernie said that, so many look to God to pour down his fire. But where is he supposed to do that? My heart bled for the church, man. My heart bled for the church because I'm like, that's the science behind it all. We sing these songs. We sing these songs. We sing, we sing these worship songs. We have the one worship song that, that maybe some of you know. Lord, send that fire that burns in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Lord, send that fire that burns in my soul. Send that fire that burns in my soul, but if there's no altar there, where's he gonna send the fire to? Where's that fire supposed to burn? Where's it supposed to go? We want God to move. We want God to heal our land. We want God to, to move in our church. We want God to touch our children. We want God to, to fill our homes and our houses. But you haven't welcomed God into your house. How's he gonna fill the fill it with fire if everything in your house is still is still sacrilege to him? Lord, fill my marriage and, 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 and change my thoughts, but the way you behave and the way you act and the way you move is still against the things that God wants you to do. How do we ask God to send that fire if we don't have that place where he's supposed to send it to? How's that supposed to happen? Ernie said something else that was real profound. And I wish I could take credit for this, but I'm not, I'm not even going to try it. This pastor, Pastor Ernie, when he said this, it just blew my mind. He said, if you catch on the fire, for, if you catch on fire for the Lord, people will come to watch you burn. But remember, God takes care of the fire. You be in charge of the altar. If you catch on fire for the Lord, people will come to watch you burn. And that's not in the bad way. That's in a good way. If you allow your heart and your soul and your spirit to be that altar where the presence of God can come in on a regular basis, people will come to watch it burn because they're going to be curious. Like Moses, when he saw that bush burning in the distance, he's like, man, that thing is burning, but it's not being consumed. And he got closer and he got closer. And you know what happened? He heard the voice of the Lord when he got closer to it. People will, will come and be attracted. It's like, man, so-and-so is, is on fire. Sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so, there's something about them that, that's contagious. And, and what is it about them? They'll learn to hear the voice of God from you. They'll learn to see. It's like, that's real. That's genuine. Because we're not hiding it anymore. We can't hide it anymore. We, we, we can't pretend like, like, like we have time, folks. Because I'm not saying I, I know the time of the day. Listen, it could be another 10 years. It could be another 50 years. I don't know. 
but regardless, like I said before, we can't wait for the time to, to for a certain situation to turn bad to then ask God, okay, God, help me in this situation. No, God wants us prepared for what is to come. David knew things were going to happen. He's saying, God, I'm putting my trust in you because without you, I know I have every right to be scared of what's happening, just like those Gentiles, just like everyone else that doesn't know you, and just like everyone else that, 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 that turns their back on you. But I'm going to trust in you, God, that you got it under control. And so in the meantime, I'm holding on to your word. I'm going to listen to what it is that you have for me. God, I'm going to learn how to hear your voice. Folks, we need to learn how to hear God's voice. We need to learn how to start listening to what it is that he has for us. In John chapter 10, Jesus says something very interesting. He said, to those who don't want to listen or accept my words, he said, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. Later on, he says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And those who don't, they're not my sheep. They've chosen otherwise. Are you God's sheep? If your answer is yes, then you need to learn his voice if you don't know it already. You need to learn to hear him, not your own thoughts. You need to learn how to hear his voice. See, the sheep, they, they, they want to follow the voice of the shepherd. Have you ever seen any of those cool videos with when people are trying to call out to the sheep and the sheep just keep their head down? Maybe they may look up at them and then just put their head down again and keep on eating. But when the shepherd calls them, the same exact way that the other people did, but because those people weren't the shepherd, they ignored them. But when the shepherd calls, the sheep all of a sudden respond and they come and they gather and they surround the shepherd because the sheep know who they can trust. They know that voice. They don't let anyone else's voice distract them. And why does the shepherd do that? He makes sure they learn his voice. He makes sure they know who he is so that no one else can steal them. No one can rob them from his pen and no one else can kill them. The enemy comes like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The sheep though, they know God's voice. And when he calls, he says, no, 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 this way. Wait, 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 hold up. I need you, I need you to start learning this. I need you to move in this direction. We know his voice and we learn to listen to his voice because he's looking out for us because he knows the future. He knows what lies ahead. But God, I don't, I don't see any trouble over there. I need you to go this way. But it looks okay over there. I need you to go this way. All right. Because you're God, I'm following you. I don't see what's wrong with there, but I don't need to know if there's anything wrong over there. I'm going to follow your direction. See, sometimes they're like, but I don't see any problem with that. I don't, I don't really think there's, I don't think there's wrong, anything wrong with that. And, and we know, and we know that that it's it's not pleasing to God. We know that's probably not the best choice to make. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't see what, what's wrong with it. If, even if I just do it once, even if it's just for a little bit, you know, I need some me time. I, I need something for myself. I need that. And we make up these excuses. He's like, all right, you're going to do what you're going to do. My sheep know my voice. And if you're going to ignore my voice, Guess what? You're going to start learning to listen to something else. Other people want to listen, man. It's like those people who are worshiping Astra. Yeah, many of them were from other nations and other countries and things like that. 
um, from a nation that Jezebel had come from, and, and they were priests and all this other kind of stuff. But the ones that they were ministering or performing in front of, those were Israelites, God's people. And they chose to listen to the lies of the enemy instead of the voice of God. So here we go. They chose to listen to everything else. And I know I, I, I'm, I'm seeing the church and the people of God coming together and worshiping. And but folks, we gotta stop being a part of the problem. If you are, and start being a solution to the problem. Some things and some of the things that, that we're trying to fight for and that we're trying to battle for may not get resolved before the Lord comes. And if that's part of his plan, then so be it. But the church and the people of the church need to be a beacon of hope. I know a lot of things, uh, because we all have a past, a lot of things that we're seeing uh, probably stirs stuff inside of us personally. That's what Through the Winters has always been all about. You know, my wife and I, you know, especially my wife, she, she's gone through uh, uh, emotional and spiritual and physical and, 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 and verbal abuse. She, she's gone through certain things and, and she can't change what happened in the past, but she can change how she sees now her future. She has control over it through the power of God and through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit. She's able to move forward and make something greater and make something wonderful and powerful from her hurts and her pains. And that's what our ministry is about, to take people in their situations and the, and the nonsense and the filth and the, and the garbage and the, and the nastiness and the ugliness that maybe they've experienced and the bad thoughts and the horrible, the horrible things said to them and, and, and the things that, that life threw at them and take those hurts and pains and, and, and those things and turn it to something powerful and awesome for God and his kingdom. That's what our ministry is all about. And I believe that that's also what God has called every single believer to also. Not to, not to be a part of the ugliness and the nastiness, but to help be a light through the nastiness and the darkness. To stand up for against injustice, yes. We got to be a voice for those that have none. We, 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 gotta, we, we have, to, have to understand what it means to, to, be, to be righteous and to have liberties. But we also got to be people of God. And that's something we just can't compromise. Because when this flesh dies and this world is over, it's about kingdom, folks. Everything we achieve here in this world will mean nothing if souls aren't one for the kingdom. If, big if, things were to get worse. If they close the churches again. If COVID runs rampant. If the church becomes the enemy of the states. Which isn't too far-fetched, believe it or not. Where will you stand? Where will the believers stand? Where does hope lie? I pray it lies in the shepherd's voice. 
I pray it lies where David was when he's reflecting. He says, I don't want to be scared like that anymore. I put my trust in who God is. My trust is in your word. My sheep know my voice, Jesus says. And I pray you learn to hear his voice. You learn what it means to pray. You learn what it means to meditate on his word, to truly worship. If you're not reading your Bible, read your Bible. Don't just read it for surface stuff. Study it. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a righteous man. Be righteous before the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, guys. We're called to so much more. We're called to be more. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are in our lives, Lord God. Lord, you are awesome beyond awesome. And Father, though these times have been hard and, and, and it puts the church in, in a weird and awkward spot, it also tests our faith. It tests who we really are and who you are to us. I know many Christians that now see that maybe they've compromised a lot with their faith during this time. And and this this time of COVID, God, I, I, if, if not for anything else, and I, and I know we've lost many, many lives in the church and in the world, and people have, have passed from this disease. But God, if not for anything else, I know that this has been a strong test for the believer. Having our church taken away. Before, they had a choice if they wanted to go to church or not on a Sunday. Before, they had a choice if they wanted to participate in an activity at church and, and do certain things. God, you put us to the test. What if it was taken away, which we never thought possible? Even if it was just for a season, God, it tested who we really are. It showed. It, it, you, you peeled back the scales, God. Ugliness revealed its head during this time. Father, we kneel to you. We pray to you. We look to you for your comfort, for your wisdom, and for your guidance, and for your strength. Heavenly Father, watch over each and every listener. Watch over each and every member of the church. Lord, I pray for leadership and pastors to rise up and not compromise God. Lord, help them to prepare the altars, prepare the altars of their hearts, prepare the altars in their church. Lord, because we want your fire. We want you to send the fire. We want the Holy Spirit to come, but there's no place for it to drop in some cases. God, prepare the places in our hearts. Prepare us, Lord Father God. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling to hear your voice, to hear your words. Lord, remove the confusion in the mind. We bind the enemy up in the name of Jesus right now. That he will not have a hold on your people. That we will not give in to the lies of the enemy, Lord God. And think that things are better on another in another way or another worship style or another in other in ways that we think are, are are awesome and God it defiles who you are. Lord, forgive us for our trespasses against you, Lord. Some of us need to build back these altars, Lord Father God, that we've torn down without even realizing we did it. God, prepare your people from all across this nation to all across this world, Lord God. For whatever it is to come that we already are prepared for it. For whatever it is to come, that we already have the answers and the hope to those who do not yet know you. 
Touch your people in the name of Jesus right now. We thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We love you all. We'll see you in another couple of weeks with our next podcast. And um, just stay tuned for a few messages from our ministry. God bless. Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I know you're going to love ThroughTheWinters.com. There you'll be able to find out more information about our ministry, Through the Winters, and you'll be able to read the articles that we've written over the last few years. We've covered topics like depression, anger, jealousy, feeling like there is no hope, loneliness. And even now, this month in September, we're talking about stress. I know those articles will be a blessing to you and to those that you care about. And if you want just a little bit more of Through the Winters Ministry, you can subscribe to our newsletter, which we send out every week. Once again, check out throughthewinters.com. God bless you all. Once again, we want to thank you for listening to Through the Winters Ministry Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like and to share this podcast with others. Also, if you'd like to help support our ministry, don't forget to just click on that little support button on our podcast homepage, and it will direct you on how you can help us out with either $1, $5, or $10 a month. God bless you all. We hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon.